If you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to the 10th chapter of the book of Mark this evening. Mark chapter number 10. And we're going to begin reading tonight in the 23rd verse of this chapter. And I want to preach on this thought tonight, God being our helper. Who then can be saved? Who then can be saved? You remember the story that's happened, the rich young ruler. He has run and he has knelt before Jesus and he asked, he said, Good master, what must I do that I might inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. He said, you, Thou knowest the commandments. The young man said in verse 20, he said, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Verse 21, Jesus beholding and loved him, looked at him and said, One thing thou lackest, go thy way. Sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor. Take up your cross and follow me. Verse 22, the Bible says, And he was sad at that saying. And he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. That rich young ruler, he could not accept that he himself was not good. Because there's none good but one, and that is God. He could not accept that Jesus is God. We saw when we first see the rich young ruler in verse 17, he said, good master. And when the Lord said, there's none good but one, and that is God, the next time the young man spoke to Jesus, he didn't call him good master, he just called him master because he didn't believe that Jesus was God. He, this young man, could not believe or could not accept that he was lost. He, he could not accept that salvation's not something that you do, but salvation is receiving something that's already done. He could not put Jesus first in his life. His possessions, his riches, his wealth were more important than God is in his life. Let me say this tonight. There can be nothing in your life that is more important than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Did you know that tonight, that according to the world's measures, that if you have a pair of shoes, you're rich. Did you know tonight that if you have more than one set of clothes, you're rich? Some of y'all are billionaires, amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Did you know that if you have something to eat and you know where the next meal is still in the cupboard, you're more than rich according to this world's measures. If you have a friend, just one. If you have a family, you're rich. Can I give you a number here? This morning in our world, three billion people got up without adequate clothing, without any money, with no friends, not knowing where the next meal was going to come from. Three billion people. Oh, tonight you may not be the Waltons and you may not be the Rockefellers, but I want to tell you something, according to this world's measures where we are today, when I look around this room, we are rich. Rich. Amen. In verse 23 of this chapter, I want us to see, number one, the Savior's teaching. And Jesus looked round about and saith unto his disciples, how hardly shall they that have riches enter 
into the kingdom of God. When this rich young ruler walked away sad and grieved, Jesus stood right where he was. I don't know if he wept, but he might have. His heart was broken as he saw that young man turn and go away lost. I wonder here at this church last Sunday morning if there were not some that turned away lost. Maybe there were some that were watching online, God dealing with their soul, and they turned it off lost. Notice with me as they've made that decision, the rich young ruler, to walk away lost, making his own choice, his own decision. Jesus did not go chasing after him. He let this young man make his own decision and he respected his decision. Then Jesus turned and spoke to his disciples and he said, how hardly are they that have riches, how hardly shall they that have riches enter in the kingdom of God. He's looking intently at his disciple. The, the little phrase that jumps off the page at me is two words, how hardly. You know what that word means in the Greek? It means with extreme difficulty. Those that have riches, it is extremely difficult. It is impossible for them to be saved. People nowadays and even in that day, listen to me carefully. People think that it's easy for a rich man to enter in the kingdom of God. In that day especially and even today. Because you look around at someone that's rich and those disciples thought, look at that person who's so rich. We, they, they come down to, to give their tithes and did you know they blew a trumpet? And announced their name as they walked in and they took out their offering and threw it in those little receptacles for their offering. I'm going to say something to you. Being saved is not about the offering. Being saved is about Jesus Christ, amen, as our offering. And those disciples would see these people that are rich and wealthy, dripping, just oozing with the blessings of God, and they thought, ooh, they have affluence. Ooh, they have success. Ooh, they have prosperity. Ooh, they have good favor. And the good hand of God must certainly be upon them. They seem to the disciples to be the most likely candidates for salvation. They seemingly already have one foot in the kingdom of God. The disciples think those that are rich have a special place or the approval of God already. And they examined people that were poor people that were destitute of money, people that were struggling. They have no purchasing power whatsoever. They're not amongst the who's who of society. Seemingly they have nothing but hardship. And the disciples saw the rich as dripping with the blessings of God and the poor people without the favor of God. And Jesus just said the exact opposite of what they thought. I want to say, do you see the, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Do you see the Savior's teaching? It is shocking to the disciples what Jesus just said. He did not say how easy it is for the rich to enter into the kingdom, but how hard it is. Those who have the treasure of this world have a hard time laying up treasure that's in heaven. You see, the instinct of a rich man is to lean on his riches for all of eternity. It is hard to divorce a man 
from his money, you have the same trouble. You have a hard time tithing as you should. You have a hard time giving an offering above and beyond your tithe as you should. It's hard to divorce a man and his money. But the problem is not with a person having money. The problem is when the money has the person. You see, Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil. He did not say money. He said the love of money. Now, I'm thinking about what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12. Would you turn with me there in Luke 12 and see what Jesus has to say in verse number 16. Luke 12, verse 16. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Just look at how many times the word I is in here. What shall I do? Because I have no more room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Jesus is teaching to these disciples just after the tragedy of the rich young ruler walking away. What Jesus said was shocking to these disciples as they stood there. It's completely the opposite of what they thought. Back to our text, number two. I want us to see the stunned turnout. These disciples are shocked. They are startled all to pieces. Look what verse 24 says. And the disciples were astonished at his words. You see right there, they're astonished. They were amazed. They were shocked. They, they looked at wealth as being an advantage. They did not view wealth as a snare. They did not view wealth as a danger. They've never heard anything just like this. They, they associated the blessings of God and the riches of this world together. But friend, that is not necessarily true. Many today in our world in which we live have the same mindset, saying if we're right with God, we'll have health and wealth. But the longer I'm in this, the more I know that that's a lie. It's not name it and claim it, health and wealth, amen. Sometimes you can be as poor as Job's turkey and be more blessed of God than someone who has everything this world has to offer. Amen. Some of us, we think, well, we don't really have much. But honey, I'm going to tell you something tonight. You've got plenty. You've got more than you need. And God has blessed you beyond measure. You look around tonight when you have plenty and you'll say, oh, how the Lord has blessed me. And then when you start struggling, when you're doing without, or maybe your bank account is empty and you don't know how you're going to pay your bills, you, you lost your job, you, you lost your friend. You, you, let me tell you something, honey, 
I'd rather have Jesus than everything this world has to offer. Honey, he knows what you need and he'll provide it when it's time for it, amen. You don't want what you want after all, amen. You better want what he wants, amen. And these disciples, amen, they are just stunned at what Jesus has said. Thirdly, I want us to see thirdly, the stirring testimony found in verse number 24, the stirring testimony. Now, his disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answereth again and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. Preacher Aaron, he just said the same thing. Oh, it's a little different. He's clarifying some things. He's coming down where the rubber meets the highway here. Jesus has sensed their amazement. He sensed their astonishment. He's sensed their misunderstanding of the situation. And he clarifies the first time in verse 23, he said how hard it was for they that have riches. The second time he says how hard it is for them that trust in riches. The difference is those that have and those that trust. They're those tonight that trust in riches. In other words, it's not just the danger. Will you hear me for a second? You may think, Preacher Darren, I don't have a lot of wealth. Preacher Darren, I don't have a lot of riches. Listen to what he's telling you. He just broke it down to where we are tonight. It's not just about having riches, but it's about trusting riches. We talked about how blessed you are and how blessed I am at having a vehicle. I had to pick out which vehicle I was going to drive to church tonight, the one that had the most gas. Say amen. I had to pick out tonight which suit I was going to wear, which, which shirt. I was just looking through the ties there to find one that was matching, and I had choice after I'm telling you, God's been good. I had brown shoes or black shoes. I didn't know which one to put on tonight, and I thought I'm going to put on my brown shoes because it's a muddy old nasty. I'm just saying tonight, God has blessed us beyond measure. But if you're not careful, you'll start trusting what you have rather than trusting who gave it to you. And sometimes God allows some things to be stripped back a little bit from us so we'll start to appreciate what he does for us. Are y'all okay with that statement? Amen. I'm just saying tonight, some trying to twist the scripture here out of context. Gee, listen to me. Jesus is not saying that rich people cannot go to heaven. Abraham was the richest man of his day. How many of y'all know that? Of all the men, Abraham was the most blessed man of his entire day. Solomon was the wisest, greatest, and maybe the richest king in all of Israel's history. King David was a very wealthy leader. Job, oh, that man that went bankrupt. That man that was bereaved. That man with balls all over his body. That man whose buddy said, God's judging you. That man whose bride said, cuss God and die. That man was the richest man of his day. And at the end of his trial, God gave him double what he had to start with. He was double rich as he ever was to start with. Amen. Hallelujah. But here's the thing. These that I just named did not trust in their riches. They trusted in God, amen. At church, I want to tell you something tonight. We're not trusting in the bank account, amen. We're not trusting our riches, amen. We're trusting in Jesus. 
He had not trusting in the stock market. I've got no faith in that whatsoever. I'm not trusting in the banking industry. They go belly up all the time. But honey, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. Jesus takes care of his own, amen. There's a little woman down there in the apartment complex on 1A. She was down there. She would pray and thank God and shout and the man that lived above her, he was an infidel. He was an atheist. He, he couldn't stand to hear her singing praises and praying and seeking God's face. And one time he couldn't but help hear her God, I'm out of groceries. God, the cupboards are bare. God, I've got nowhere else to turn. God, I've got no social security money. God, what am I going to do? And that man said, I'm going to fix her. He went down and bought two big old bags of groceries. He walked up to her door. He rung her doorbell, beat on the door, and went and hid in the bushes. She came outside and seen them bags of groceries. And she said, hallelujah, Lord. Thank you. Woo, hallelujah. God provided two bags of groceries. He jumped out of the bushes and said, oh, no. Don't you thank your God this time. I, I bought those groceries for you. I'm the one that came down here and set them on your porch. I'm the one knocked on your door. What's you going to say now? She said, thank you, Jesus, for providing me two bags of groceries and making the devil pay for them. Hallelujah, amen. Amen. Our God is an awesome God, amen. And I'm finding out the longer I'm in this, he's better than I think he is, amen. Jesus was saying how hard it is to enter into the kingdom when you have riches when you trust riches, the rich have, seems like both hands full of the riches of this world. I like that old song, Rock of Ages. It says, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. We must come. When I came to Jesus, I was just a little old toe-headed, freckle-faced boy. Didn't know beans about taters, amen. I was on my way to hell. I, I couldn't find anybody else that could love me or save me. But I heard that Jesus died for me. And when he saved my soul, it's been, I did, amen. It's been different ever since, amen. I thank him tonight, amen, for how he saved my soul. When I look at verse 25, Jesus went on to say, it is easier. For a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now there are those that I've read behind this week that try to explain that away. That there's a certain gate or a big old place in the wall that's called the eye of the needle. But when I went back and read uh, what I saw in Blue Letter Bible, it actually means that little old pin called a needle that my grandma has used so many times. Since she'd sit there with her little old bad eyes and try to thread that needle, amen, and put that, that, that sewing right through that string, right through the middle of that little eye of the needle. I mean, it's just so hard to get a hold of. Can you picture it in your mind? Jesus just said it's easier for a camel. A camel is the largest animal in Palestine. It's easier for the largest animal in Palestine to go through the smallest opening in Palestine than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. I just want to say this tonight, I've read behind a lot of people, they try to explain it away, but I cannot explain it away. I'm just going to tell you, this is what I know, I need an amen right here. It's impossible. A camel cannot go through the eye of a needle. Oh, preacher, dear, now if you grind him up enough and make soup out of him, that's not what the Lord's talking about, amen. I don't put words in his mouth, amen. You cannot explain it away. 
the rich young ruler was living for his money and he was prioritizing his money over the kingdom of heaven. And that was the rich young ruler's very problem. His wealth was his focus. His faith focused on his wealth. Today, what is it you focus on for your faith? What is it that's your focus of salvation? Amen. In our world, riches are viewed as a blessing. I've, heard, I've often heard people say, some of you, man, if I had money, it's what I'd do. I'd pay off a church and I'd build bigger. I, if I had money, I'd add on to that school over there. And it, If I had money, I'd buy me a place at the beach. If I had money, I'd have me a condo. If I had money, I'd get me a new golf cart. I hear it all the time. If I had money, we look at this riches of the world as a blessing. But God's viewpoint, they're handicapped. You ought to say, thank God tonight that you don't have to deal with with the entanglements of this world. Because people who have much of this world's wealth, they fall in love with this world's wealth, amen, and they begin to trust in that wealth. Somebody tonight, you ought to be a shouting right now. Listen, I was down here working at the sign. I believe it was Brent Duncan was talking to me, and he looked at me, just started here at Bethel at the time, and he said, preacher, how bad is the debt here? And I told him. He said, how much is on hand? I, I, I want to say it was like $2,000. He said, okay. What, how much is in the CD? I said, we ain't got a CD. What's in the other extra savings? We ain't got one. What's in the, I said, that's it. He said, well, glory to God. He took off running across the parking lot. I watched him go, and I thought, what in the world? That's the first person in our church has ever shouted about us being broke. But tonight I get what he's talking about, amen. Thank God we're not entangled by a bunch of those things in this old world, amen. Well, you ain't, that, that ain't stirring too much in your shout right there, amen. Shouting because I'm broke, preacher. Shouting the devil's face, amen. Just tell him, amen, praise God. They, people think that money can shield them from problems. People think that money can provide them peace and joy and happiness and satisfaction. But I'm telling you what, those people that are trusting wealth, they're jumping off bridges. And they're taking their own lives. They're losing their minds because they're finding out there's no satisfaction in the things of this world. Come here, I want to tell you something. Do you know why the rich young ruler came to Jesus? Because all his riches and all his youth and all his rulership and leadership abilities, they did not satisfy his soul. And he came to Jesus and he found out that I have to put Jesus first. He went away sorrowful for he had many possessions. I don't understand. I've scratched my head. He came there broken because his possessions were defeating to him, and that's the very thing he left trusting. That just absolutely makes me marvel. Amen. My, my, my. Fourthly, I want us to see some sobering thoughts in verse 26. When Jesus spoke about this camel going through an eye of a needle, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man entering the kingdom of, 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 of God They were astonished, out of measure. What does that mean, preacher? They're shocked out of their senses. They're shocked more than they were to start with. This, Can I say it like this, country way? It blew their minds. They they were dumbfounded. They were stupefied. This is what they did. Y'all look at me. Open their mouth and it's just hanging open. They they don't even have enough strength to close it. They are just shocked. They're, They're bewildered. They're stunned. They thought, how can this be? The rich man seemingly has so many blessings 
He can do so many wonderful things. How can this be? They were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? Oh, this is going to get deep. Who then can be saved? They've considered the situation here, and they realize that in a sense, they and we all are rich with possessions. They understand that anybody can get caught up and look into the things you possess rather than look into the Lord. If you're not careful, you'll get a headache. You'll look to the Advil or the Tylenol before you look to the Lord. I could, I could, expound, I could expound on that idea very deeply, and I won't, but I'm just saying it's easy for us to trust things that we possess rather than the Lord. And they hear what Jesus has said, that the rich, and that could be any of them, because they have shoes and so many don't, and they have food and so many don't. I mean, so we're rich, and it seems as if Jesus has just forever slammed the door of salvation on anyone that's ever trusted possessions or riches or those that have the goods of this world. And it is a sobering thought to them. This is their exact question. Who then can be saved? Lord, we can't even be saved. Who's going to be saved if this is the requirement? Fifthly, and I'll be done. Jesus provides them sovereign truth. And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Jesus lets them know there is hope. Men may find it impossible to break free from the grip of riches or the grip of wealth or the, will you hear me? Or the grip of alcohol or the grip of maybe some addiction, the grip of sin. Sin entangles you. Sin will hold you. And you can't get free. So, oh yeah, preacher, then I, get, I quit this anytime I want to. Many years ago, I had a little Murray riding tractor. It was red. And didn't really have a place to put it, so I had a deck, and I put it under my deck. That's where I parked it. And I loved to mow on that little Murray tractor, the riding tractor. I went down there one day, to get on that Murray tractor and crank it up. And when I did, there was the biggest spider I have ever seen in my entire life. In fact, it had a huge web that it had made there. I mean, and the listen, the dew had fallen and dripped through that deck, and it was on that spider web, and the sunshine was hitting it early that morning, and it was just glistening. It was so beautiful to look at. It was one that most anybody would desire to see what more about what that is. And a little fly. He come flying through about that time. And he said, oh, wow, a paradise. Look how glistening and how beautiful this is. What a place to land and wash my eyes before I fly further. And he stopped it. And when he landed on that webbing, I'm looking at this spider. Big, eight hairy legs. He looked like he could bench press me. 
at least twice. A little fly landed there and he, he, wait a minute, I'm stuck. My, I can't even wash my little eyeballs. That's, my feet are stuck to this web. I can't get free. And the more he tried to flap his wings and to move from that place, the more it vibrated that web. And that spider who was looking at me turned and went, ah, lunch. And he starts moving his eight legs over there towards that little old fly. And that fly could feel him coming in. He, he thought, you know what, I'll get out of this anytime I want to. But that web, like sin, holds you. It grips you. You can't get free. It's impossible for you to get yourself out of that situation. And here comes the devourer to destroy that little fly. And I, I hate flies. I kill every one I can see. But that day I looked and I thought, uh-uh. And I don't know why I did, but I took my hand and I went, hi-ya, hi-karate. And I chopped through that web. And that's, listen, that spider, he tumbled, hit that little Murray tractor, bounced off the side and landed in the mulch. And listen, I actually heard him go kathud when he hit in the mulch. Look around like, man, what in the world has just hit me? That fly buddy, he was set free and he was gone. You know what I did? I took my foot. And I went, is it bad, JC? I stomped its guts out. And that devourer was gone. You see, my Bible says that the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet someday or one day. Amen. One day we're going to defeat the old devil. Amen. One of these days we're going to stomp his head. We're going to see Jesus take that devil and cast him in the lake of fire. And we're going to have victory. Amen. You see, Jesus set us free on Calvary. And he shed his blood. And if we look to him, amen, he sets us free. And the last time I checked, I stood there for a minute, not real, just kind of like, what in the world have I just done? That fly never came back to say, thank you. Thank you, I was a goner, but thank you. He never came back. He must have been a Baptist. Because <laughs> that's the way we act. We don't take time to say, oh God, I was such a fool. I was trapped in sin and sitting on the pew and thinking I was okay. And woo, you came along and showed me where I was wrong and you set me free and you saved my sin-sick soul, amen. You see, the things the Bible says that are impossible to men are possible to God, amen. It is entirely, totally, completely, absolutely impossible for a man to be saved by his own efforts. It cannot happen. Listen, but Jesus, God, can cause your blinded eyes to see the truth. God can cause your deafened ears to hear the truth. God, I need a witness right here. God can take the man dead in trespasses and in sins and quicken him, give him life, and save his soul. Hallelujah to the Lord God Almighty. What sovereign truth. You see, salvation is only possible with God. And God can save those that are impossible to save. Mason Preacher and I can think of some people tonight that I think is impossible to save. Hey, let me tell you something. You are impossible to save. 
There's no way. Uh, listen, it would have been easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for you to get in the kingdom of God. But on July 13, 1978, amen, at the Balfour Baptist Church, a camel went through the eye of a needle right there before him all. And Jesus saved this old boy's soul. God's been so good to us, amen. And he's released us from the grip of sin, that thing that held us captive, amen. There is no sinner tonight that's beyond the power of Christ to save them. I was just thinking, I remembered back. I was asked to go see somebody at the hospital I did not know. And I asked the people, I said, will you go with me? They said, well, I don't get off from work. And I thought, I'm just going to go down there. And I went down there. And I saw this man, and I started talking to him and said, can I pray with you? He said, sure. I said, so you're a Christian? No. Hmm. Didn't they say you've got cancer? Yes, sir. Said I've got less than a week to live. But you're not saved? No, sir. What are you going to do about that? Well, I just think it's too late. Well, Jesus died on the cross for people that think it's impossible. He died on the cross for people that are sinners. Are you a sinner? He said, oh, I'm wretched. I'm wicked. You, you don't know. I don't even want to go into what. And so I started witnessing to him and talking to him. And the next thing I knew, he grabbed me by the hand. He said, preacher, that's enough. Let's pray right now. I want to be saved. And man, he got gloriously saved, laying flat his back. And as I left, some of the people, the family coming in there, and I thought, hmm. Do I tell them, do I not? Do I tell them, do I not? And I thought, no, I want to tell them, but it ain't mine to tell. It's his to tell. So I stood at the door, and his family came in, and he was wiping tears. They said, are you okay? Are you in pain? He said, no. He said, the preacher right there knows all about it. I just got saved. And it, 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 it dumbfounded. They went like this. I couldn't believe it. He just got saved. And there was no rejoicing, but in glory. In the presence of the angels. <laughs> oh, they're shouting the streets of glory. Three days later, he died. They called me and said, listen, you're the only pastor he ever had. I only seen him one time. Would you come down, come to visitation, preach his funeral? I said, I sure will. I talked about our experience and what God had done there and talked about how it looked like it was impossible. He said, come, let us reason together, said the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Finished preaching, gave invitation, nothing happened. Walked off the pulpit, walked off the platform there, and they were rolling the casket behind me, and we're headed out in the funeral procession, and got six pallbearers carrying the casket, and I'm headed right there for the door. And about that time, I felt something, something I heard feet running. I felt something hit me on the arm, hit me on the arm again. It's a preacher. And I stopped. I said, Yeah. I said, he really get saved? I said, you know he did. He said, that was my brother. Preacher, I, I've been, I've, he told me, multi-millionaire. I've got been trusting this world's riches, riches and the stock markets and this world and, and my brother was well off too and, and he got saved. I mean, he was a drunkard and he got saved. He was a wine, he got saved. Yes, he got saved. He said, preacher, I need to be saved too. Let me tell you something. They set the body down on the ground 
six pallbearers said, what are we doing, boys? They set him down and turned around, and that old boy was down at the front door on a chair calling on Jesus, getting gloriously saved. Hey, you may be at somebody's funeral. You may be up beside a rock somewhere. But honey, I'm telling you, you can get saved when he deals with your soul, amen. And when he got saved, amen, them pallbearers had a new stir in their step as we went out there to that grave, amen. And God blessed that man in heaven to look down and say, I think the Lord said, look, there's your brother getting saved. You're a soul winner. Your testimony's already reached your family. Hey, it looked like it was impossible. It looked like God couldn't do it. But God only saved one. He saved two. That's just what he'll do, amen. I'm telling you, y'all. Whoo! Who then can be saved? Whoever will look to Jesus. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. You stand to your feet tonight. Maybe there's somebody here tonight. You've got a heavy heart. Maybe you've got a friend, a loved one, family member. Maybe there's a foe. I, I'm telling you, they, they need to be saved. And man, you've been praying for. Them. Why don't you come one more time on this Wednesday night and say, God, it's my daughter. God, it's my boy. God, it's my grand youngest. God, it's my sister. God, it's my mom and daddy. God, it's my brother. Oh, God, I've got a friend. I'm so worried about him. And the devil's done told you it's too late. That's never going to happen. Honey, the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. He can do anything in all things. Amen. We're waiting. We're waiting. Who needs to come tonight? Say, oh, preacher, I'm going to bow the knee. I'm going to trust tonight. George Mueller prayed for 65 years for a brother that got saved. Amen. After 65 years, honey, God can do it. I believe that with all the fiber of my being tonight. Amen. Hallelujah to God. Anybody else say, preacher? Yes, God sees that. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight, God, that the things that man looks at and sees as impossible, it's not that way with you. All things are possible with you. Lord, it's impossible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. It's impossible for a man by trusting himself or his riches or some things to make his way to heaven. It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You release that icy cold grip that sin has upon lives, God, by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you save souls and forgive sins. And you don't just restore, God. You make a new creature. All things are become new. And tonight, God, I praise you for that. Lord, tonight, Lord, there's some people on my heart, God, this evening. God, I've called them out already. I shall call them out again, God. In my heart, you're hearing, God, what my heart is saying. The names, God. Oh, yes, that's a family member, God, and another family member. Oh, God, there's a friend right there. And, God, there's two more. God, there's some family and some friends. And, oh, God, I've got some foes, some, some people that stand against, oh, absolutely against the things. Of, God, I pray that you'd touch them. God, you'd break them. God, you'd save them. God, thank you for what you've been doing at Bethel. God, in these last few months and years, God, would you continue to do a work, God? Who then can be saved? 
Whosoever would repent of their sins, whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh God, I pray you'd continue the work, God. Help us, Lord, I pray, until that great day that Jesus comes to rapture and take us home. Help us, Father, I pray. In Jesus' precious name we ask, amen and amen. Woo, hallelujah.